Forza! 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 Do the thing! Do the thing! Greetings and welcome to Lave Radio, recording live from the Elite Dangerous premiere event at the Imperial War Museum. I'm your host, Buzzer Forrester, and I'm delighted to say that 99% of the Lave Radio crew are here with me tonight. We have Alan, John, Chris, Grant, Ben, Lisa. We were meant to have our final member of the crew, Colin Ford. Unfortunately, Colin's father is unwell at the moment, so Colin has had to bow out tonight. However, we do wish his father well and a speedy recovery. So, what have we got planned tonight? Well, we'll be commentating from the show floor, trying to describe the event and announcement as they unfold. The crew are going to take turns manning the stand and talking to some special guests that we bring to the booth. Obviously, we're recording live from the show floor, so bear with us on the audio quality and enjoy the content. pleasure to invite to the mic, Lave Station's Chief of Operations, the man who spent five hours on a bus travelling out of the valleys to come here. Five and here. a half. Five and a half. Mr. John Stabler, welcome. Hello, and we're actually enjoying a disco at the moment. By the, by yeah, the after we've done here, I think it's uh, a bit of a boogie on the dance floor for us too. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, the first thing we should do is describe the event, uh, where we are, uh, what we're seeing, what we're, what we're about to experience. For those of you out there that are not watching the Twit feed, we are at the Imperial War Museum in Duxford, surrounded by aircrafts of all different shapes and sizes. In fact, behind the Lay Radio booth is the Typhoon, the Eurofighter. Interestingly, on the way to the show, the taxi driver told us that this is in fact known as the Duxford Wing and was the location for the Battle of Britain and uh, Reach for the Skies, those two famous films. It was very enthralling, wasn't well, it, John? Well, I'm glad you gave credit to the taxi driver as opposed to trying to claim credit for that knowledge. Well, surely it wouldn't be like me to sort of pretend I've done research for this yeah, show, John. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, John, what have we seen so far? Take us from the, uh, the very opening moments of the event. Well, I mean, we were quite privileged that we, we came to set up our stand beforehand, but the actual reveal involved two very large hangar doors opening and revealing what was going to be the venue for the evening including well i can't say a life-size cobra because it's not but i i don't know a 150th size cobra which is pretty big still absolutely i mean considering it's supposed to be i don't know how many tons worth of ship it's not quite to scale is it however 
Uh, made out of pure fiberglass, it is quite an impressive centerpiece for the evening, and it's surrounded by, well, I would say we've got a typhoon on one side, and I have no idea what that is on the other side. So, as an evening, I mean, it's quite fantastic. It's like the launch party you'd imagine, really. You know, all this uh, subtle, well, is it subtle lighting? Is that what you'd call it? I'd call it in your face. It is a little bit in your face. I think for those people that have been watching the Twitch stream, it's probably best described as maybe Top Gear with spaceships is the way they seem to be playing well, it. Well, the way that they're filming it, yeah. If you've seen the Twitch stream, the, the opening scene was this crane camera coming in over David Braben being interviewed. And I was like, it's like Top Gear. Let's stick him in a reasonably priced Sidewinder and see what he can do. For those people that have been around and seen the uh, the Eurogamer stand, those are the people that were down in London, uh, they have the Coriolis uh, setup, so the circular playtesting setup. So we've got lots of versions of Elite running, so people can actually get their hands and play the latest build. There's got I think four or five DK2s on show as well, so yes. people can have a go of those. I think the standout feature so far has actually been, believe it or not, the backers of this game. I mean, the amount of cosplay we're seeing, the amount of enthusiasm. Uh, when David Braben gets on stage, it's just been phenomenal. Not not quite to the level of, like, say, a Star Citizen kind of presentation. Shut up. You know, not enough, not quite that much whooping and hollering. But I, you've done your bit, Foz, To be fair, you, I've heard you shouting and screaming. In fairness, the, the, I don't think there's quite enough Americans in the room to get the sort yeah. of the level of whooping and cheering that's required. But well, yeah. surely, surely the the British thing would be for you to throw your pants at David Braben on stage, something like that. Well, I think if I hadn't been going commando this evening, I think I probably oh, would have done okay. just that. But no, I have to say, all the authors are here. Kate Russell, and Dan Grubb, publisher from Fantastic Audio. We've got the senator himself. Oh, I got a story about the senator. Uh, Drew Wagar is here. Uh, obviously, Alan is here. Uh, what we hope to do during the course of the evening is we're going to drag some of these people up to the microphone and get a, a quick interview with them. And, try and get their thoughts and feelings on how the journey has been. It's been a two-year journey since this thing kicked off. I just think it's quite amazing to be standing here in Duxford Imperial War Museum with the Elite logo being projected on all the walls, music blasting out, and have the whole thing just sort of converted into what has been Duxford Coriolis Station. Let's talk about the start of the evening. We were all assembled outside the massive hangar doors. We had uh, David Braben, complete with his Bono glasses, standing front and centre in front of the crowd. We had a countdown, and then suddenly out of nowhere, quite ethereal, the, the Blue Daniel waltz, and docking clearance granted, big flashing yellow lights, and the hangar door opens, a big fanfare, and there in front of us is a model replica of the Cobra Mark III. How awesome was that? It was exceptional. So, don't know who they recorded the audio from, but obviously they were very good at docking, because it wasn't that usual scraping sound that you get. <laughs> I think people started clapping when the doors opened anyway, just to see all the stuff they'd set up. But obviously then, when the Cobra was revealed a bit more, people just went quite crazy. They've got massive drapes hanging from all the walls that betray the, the station. It says, welcome to Duxford Station. Well, I, I hope there's a Duxford Station in the game, just to celebrate the event. Thank you very, very much to everybody who's come. I know a lot of people have come a really long way, some people from Australia, so really, really appreciated. It's fantastic to have such a wonderful crowd. I'd also like to put my thanks out to the team here, a lot of whom are here, uh, for all the extra hours people have done. The game is looking really good, so a huge well done. Also, for everyone coming, all those people who've been in the Alpha and the Beta, it's been invaluable to us. As a result, we've got so much better a game than we've had otherwise. And of course, all of the people who backed from Kickstarter onwards has been so good. 
it's given us this wonderful opportunity to make what I believe will be a really great round baking excellent game. So thank you very much for everyone's coming. We've got lots of exciting things to show you tonight. Um, and so let's get on with the entertainment. There's food here, you've seen the cobra. So thank you for coming once again. Okay, so let's get this underway. We've dragged our first guest onto the show. And of course, it wouldn't be right unless we got our own ambassador on the show, Mr. John Virgo, a.k.a. Karash. Welcome to the show. Greetings, Commander. How you doing? Now, again, I know you've been very tight-lipped about what you've been up to over the last week and a half, but maybe now that it's all sort of in the clear, we've seen it all, tell us what your last couple of weeks have been like. Oh, absolutely amazing. I am just so thrilled to just be as involved as I am with this. You know, it's a dream come true for me. You know, ever since I was a kid, I love the game. And to see all this come to life now and to be involved in this way, it's just absolutely stunning. I'm so happy. For those people that don't know uh, the work that uh, Ambassador Karash has done, he has his own uh, live Twitch stream that goes out every week with Karash Landing. And he's taking it further. Uh, hopefully his parents aren't listening, but the guy has mutilated his own body <laughs> by putting an elite tattoo on his shoulder as well. How's that healing, sir? Oh, it's absolutely fine. But I think my wife was uh, a little bit annoyed when I didn't come back with names of her or the kid on there. So it was like, uh, yeah, oh, what's my that? Lord. <laughs> Hang your head in shame, sir. So not the tattoo of the children, which is exactly what you should have. You have an elite dangerous tattoo on your arm. Well, you have to get something that's important, don't you? Oh! <laughs> Ouch. She's going to kill me. <laughs> okay, so your lovely wife, who I have to say we've met many times through uh, Lave Cons and various other Elite Dangerous events, has been dragged along to this event, and probably she would say, I should imagine, the most spectacular event she's been around. Oh, it is absolutely stunning. I was blown away when I first walked in here today. And, you know, there's not many things that make me speechless, but when you see that cobra over there, it's, wow, uh, yeah. just no words for it. It's amazing. It's my childhood just made real in front of me. The scale model of the cobra is something phenomenal. Let's talk a little bit about your turn on stage, your star performance. What happened there? For those people that haven't been on the Twitch stream, maybe you could explain it for them. Yeah, wow. I mean, that w was a chance of a lifetime. It was a complete surprise to me. The guys at Frontier, they just phoned me up. They said, hey, do you want to help us out with something? I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, but anything, you know, and then they bring me in, show me the, uh, the capital ship interdiction demo and it's like wow it's like I, I was just blown away as soon as I saw that effect of that big majestic class ship jumping in I, I, I was like I just wanted to bottle that feeling and keep it it was amazing and I just I'm so so grateful of them giving me the chance to do that it was amazing I'm sure we're going to see it time and time again but for those people that have yet to witness it what they've done with Karash is they have reproduced the Damocles videos, exclusive at the launch party, they've shown us the Imperial capital ship live in-game, and Karash was there, maybe deciding that he's taking on a little bit more than he can handle for once, and he calls in, as the Damocles video, he calls in some friends. So, with live group chat, that's now obviously working in the game, calls in a few developer friends who come along, and a group jump in to help him out in the situation. Oh, it was it was absolutely great fun doing that with uh, Adam Woods and uh, Eddie Simons. It, it was absolutely amazing to see uh, the group chat working together. It really kind of brings that feeling together of working as a group. Bigger ship like that, it's not something you can take out on your own. You need that help. And I think the, the group play stuff is something that I'm really looking forward to. I just want to go home and play it now. That's the trouble. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what we've been saying. It's like, you know, Gamma's been released now. We're all here. And actually, we don't, we don't want to be here. We want to be at home for crying out loud. We want to be playing the game. No, that's obviously not true because this is phenomenal here. But it is amazing what the guys have done and what you see on the big screen ahead of us. It, it's phenomenal when you think about the journey that we've been on for the last two years to be where we are now with an actual game release 
less than a month away. I didn't really think in my wildest dreams would be where we are today. No, I completely echo that sentiment. I mean, it, it really is. I have to keep pinching myself. I would have been happy for the for the game to happen without me, but to just be involved the way I am is just, I, I can't believe it. And I'm so thankful for it. I thank everyone who's helped me get to this position. And, and I'm, I'm glad to just carry on helping whatever I can do. I think uh, we're going to thank you and keep you right there. So I'm sure we'll get you back. Thank you very much, Crash, and we'll see speak to you soon. Thanks, guys. Cheers. You might be wondering why you brought our own pizza to the party. <laughs> well, since the Kickstarter two years ago, there's been a bit of a tradition within the elite gaming community where every major release day, we put our hands in our pockets and buy a stack of pizzas to send over to Frontier's offices. Which are much appreciated. Much appreciated. <laughs> we do this to show our appreciation for the amount of work that's going into making the game that we all desperately want to play. Oh, well, oh, that's excellent. 
made by one of our community, as were the checks. It's a plaque. I don't know if you guys can see that. That is really kind, you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And in there is the last bit, which we need to pass around a few more. If anyone hasn't signed it yet, this is a kind of like a, a guest book for tonight. So please come and make sure it will be on the late radio stand over there. Please come and sign it if you're here tonight and you haven't already. Fantastic. And nice. On behalf of the games community, to all of you at Frontier, thank you so much for making what promises to be a completely awesome game. You're very, very kind. And also, can I have a round of applause to these guys and to everyone else who has done this. This is fantastic. And we're back with Lay Radio's official show floor commentary. And I'm very happy to say that we have our first, first developer uh, <laughs> brave enough to come to the stand. And it's a good one as well. We have got Elite Dangerous lead designer, Sandy Samarco has stopped by. Hello, Sandy. Hello. And how are we this evening? Uh, I'm feeling rather great, actually. I think you probably should do as well. It's a fantastic event. How long has it been putting it all together? A lot shorter, probably, than most people realise. Um, but everyone's worked really hard, so uh, it's come it out shows. okay. I mean, the level of detail that's gone into this production has been absolutely phenomenal. It's brilliant. It really is. Okay, so obviously we're here which is great. However, it's sort of split in two because obviously Gamma's been released whilst we've been at the actual show. So tell us what it was like building up for that and probably what was the hardest thing in the latest build for you to do. The hardest thing by a long shot uh, was the fact that the, the length of time overall was just really reduced an awful lot from some of our earlier releases, our earlier milestones. Um, for design, the hardest thing has been cramming in lots more mission stuff. So it will be really interesting to see what people make of what they find out in the black void. Okay, well I'll tell you what, why don't you give us a little bit of insight about those sort of missions and what level of detail has gone into it compared to previous builds? What can people expect to see? Okay, so well, I don't want to spoil it too much, but um, I think it's fair to say people should be checking out the signal sources yep. a lot more. There are things to find. Not all missions are going to be quite straight as forward. There are opportunities to be made for those brave enough to search for them. Now I have to say, normally, especially with the, the start of Sidewinder with all the loaned weapons, I'm not, you know, I look at those uh, unidentified signal sources, it's a bit sphincter twitching, do I dare go for it? Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, in fairness, what we've done is we've reduced the frequency slightly for those signal sources, and at the same time, we've tried to make them a little bit more enticing. So although they still are dangerous, um, there are, in general, more things to find in them that are, that are not quite so dangerous. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Okay, so... Obviously, we've got the Gamma, we're going to be there until uh, Christmas. Can you do any, without doing any spoilers, can you let us know what we can expect when the Christmas release comes out? Uh, no, more. You can't. A, a little bit more, but unfortunately, yeah, I, I don't want to say anything more than that. That's absolutely fine, <laughs> don't worry about that. That's, the, that's as bad as we're going to get in terms of putting you on the spot. What has been, it's obviously been a two year journey, it's been a phenomenal journey for us as a community. What's it like as. Um, a member of the development team, what's been the most exciting thing about the two-year journey for you? This is going to sound really corny, making the game. This is the, the best game I've ever worked on. I, I'm, I'm quite happy to say that. I'm really proud of what everyone's done. They've done such an amazing job. So overall, the chance to work on a space game where you fly around and shoot stuff, I mean, that's awesome. I, you know, I want to be Han Solo, and this is the game that 
he's, let, he's letting me be it. Um, it's also been really exciting though, scary, but really exciting having early access and interacting with the forums and the backers. It's been, yeah. That's been an amazing experience in all different ways. I was going to say, it's all, I would imagine, probably a double-edged sword in terms of the fact that Very. your baby is out there. You know? Yeah, absolutely. There's nowhere to hide. No. Uh, but at the same time, the feedback's been brilliant. So we get to, when you're working in design, it's a very much a closed process. And you can make mistakes and simply not realise it. I mean, a lot of people can make the same mistake and not realise it. But I guarantee you, when it goes out there, people will see it. So you'll find out. So what has been uh, the biggest surprise that's come out of that community interaction and probably the best thing that's come out of that community The biggest surprise that's come out of the community? Oh, it's going to be really cheesy again. There's so many friendly people. Uh, I, you really? know, yeah, no, I, yes, it sounds silly, but it has. Compared to what I've seen on the internet around, I'm really, really pleased overall the way people have responded. Uh, and we weren't expecting that. We were terrified. But it, in general, it's been, it's been really, really good. Really, really well, I'd say on behalf of the community, a massive thank you, Sandy. Thank you for stopping by, but thank you for all the work you put into making this phenomenal game. Thank you very much. Nice. Introducing, for the first time in game, the capital ship of the Empire, the Majestic Class Interdictor. John, mate. It looks a bit like you've bitten off more than you can chew here. What are you going to bring to the battle? I bring friends. Adam, Eddie, do you read? Copy. Hey, John. I've got myself into some serious trouble, guys. I need some backup. OK, just jumping in now. I've got the contact on my schedule. You've got your stupid to do this. <laughs> this is way too much for me to handle on my home, guys. I can see you on my scanner. I'm going to try and do some damage to this ship. Where to start? It's huge. No effect. I'm under some heavy fire here, guys. I need some backup. Adam, can you take those guns out? Yeah, okay, John. I'll get you the, uh, the ship captured with the fences. Eddie, how are those fighters looking? Ten four. If you need assistance, buddy, just shout. Guys, I got an idea. I'm gonna take out these heat vents. Might cause her to jump. That's one down. Those guns are giving me a lot of heat. Going in for another run. Okay, John, I'm on you. We're gonna try and take out those beam loads along the top. They seem to be doing quite a bit of damage. Adam, I'm on your six. So let the fighter down. Eddie, do you need some support for the fighters? There's still a lot of them around, to be honest. Okay, John, I'm gonna take on some of the fighters for a bit, actually. 10-4. Going for another heat vent. Too much fire off those railguns. I got another one. Three downs. She's jumping. She's going, guys. Back off. There goes the surge. 
Thanks for the help, guys. I can clean up these fighters on my own. <laughs> See you in the void, Commanders. Hi there everyone, it's uh, Psycho Cohen here. I'm here with Michael T from the Elite Dangerous Forum and he's going to share some uh, thoughts with us on the very party uh, premier event in the Duxford Imperial War Museum. So Michael, yes. how did you first encounter Elite? To be honest, just through Star Citizen, sorry. <laughs> Through Star Citizen? Through Star Citizen, yes. Uh, sorry, that, that'll terminate the uh, interview, interview right Directly, there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, to be honest, I went back Star Citizen and through that Kickstarter, that's how I stumbled across the whole Elite game. So you're a late to the party backer. Yeah, but but uh, to be honest, I, w I have just played uh, Elite in the late uh, early 90s, uh, Elite 2. I was really addicted as a as a young boy just really to this uh, space game, so I was just watching on an annual base uh, on the forums just to see if there are some rumors, if there really happens with uh, Elite Four, so I was at least uh, had an eye on this topic. Fantastic, and I, I won't be so uh, crude as to ask how much you back, but were you one of the alpha backers? Yes, I have pledged a lot of, uh, kicked a lot of money into this. Fantastic, and what was your first impression when you first played that alpha? The, the direct alpha was amazing, I mean just really the, the tutorials just to, to, to get such kind of stable version was to think, wow. Normally it's just crashing and you're just getting some <laughs> error messages and yeah, but. Oh, it was, it was an experience. It was really amazing experience. Have you been quite involved? Are you a member of the DDF? Yes, there was also a lot of discussions on the DDF. Uh, all the exploring, trading, the combat, super cruise topic was also more or less a very long topic in the, in the, the DDF, yeah. Right, well, there's one other question. Have you had a chance to play either the most recent uh, Beta 3.91 or have you even had a chance to do the Gamma yet? The Gamma, not yet. Uh, the 3.2, yes, I did. But uh, due to my business trips, only for a few hours because it was really very short term. I think just this week on... Uh, That's well, yes, only two days ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I made only 100,000 credits or so. It was just <laughs> only 100,000? Yeah, only, no, yeah. I've made that in the entire time that I've been playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, what features are you most looking forward to when we get to this uh, Gamma release? To be honest, the, the most exciting feature is not yet implemented for me. And that's the seamless landing on planets. The planet landing. That's because, that, as I mentioned, I was really addicted to Elite 2 just really to be able to land on moons, on, on, on planets, just really to, to have this freedom. Yes. Just this play, play freedom. And that's uh, a thing which I... In a certain way, I'm missing this right now, but I know David will do it, as he mentioned this all the time, he will do it right. So it's not only be able to land on the, map, on the planets, he will also look for, I don't know, nature, animals, <laughs> humans. <laughs> exactly, who knows? We just don't know. It's going to be so exciting to find out. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to our final question, which is, are you Imperial, Federation or Alliance, or are you a dirty independent? Let's answer this question question indirectly. I've uh, backed also Drew. So. Ah, da, 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 da. <laughs> That's another one struck off the list. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Michael Tears. Really okay. great to speak to you. Okay, sorry. Thanks. Take care. You Have a too. Nice night. Yep. Okay, and welcome back to the show floor. And I'm very privileged to say that we have got Adam Woods joining us, producer of Frontier Developments. Greetings, Adam. Hello. Congratulations on what I can only say is a phenomenal launch event. Thank you so much. Um, I'll take the time now just to say thank you to everyone else. Thank you to you guys for all the support so far. It's been incredible. It's 
Yeah, amazing. I'm just so damn proud to be here. It's absolutely amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, talking about as a, as a layman and all of this, I don't know if this is... Would you say this was normal for a game launch? Um, no, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I, I can't remember the last time I saw a launch in a hangar at an Imperial War Museum surrounded by incredible history of aircraft. And I guess we kind of segue into the future, potentially, of aircraft. It's incredible. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's stunning. Words don't do it justice. All I can keep saying is incredible, but that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, I mean, some of us will probably have come across your Twitch stream. We should have come across the name Adam Wibbs before, but for yeah. those that haven't, describe exactly what it is that you do as a producer at Frontier Developments. Oh, jack of all trades, master of them all as well. No, master <laughs> of none. I suppose the easiest way to explain it is that I'm the oil between the cogs. I try to keep the team motivated. I give cuddles. I sing songs. <laughs> I do, absolutely. But on a serious note, I make sure that the guys are working on the, the right bits, the important bits at the right time. I get the schedule in place and I just connect the team together. You know, I'm the kind of runner between the team. Sometimes, you know, someone's sat and, and, and struggling and, and, and I'll get in there and be like, right, what do we need to do? Let's get it out. Let's, let's sort it out. So kind of steering the ship. Excellent. Okay. Well, in terms of navigation, it's been a long journey so far. It's been two years in the making since the Kickstarter finished. It has, and I've only been on the project since Christmas last year. Crikey. Yeah, so it's, it's been quite a step up for myself. I'm just incredibly lucky to be part of it. Yeah. Uh, what about your history? Did you play the original? Did you play your Frontier, your first encounters? I did play Elite. I had it on my Amiga. I was six at the time. <laughs> wow. I was born 1985, so I was a year before or after the game was out. Not gonna lie, I didn't have a clue what was going on. <laughs> I launched and I was in space and I was flying and I kind of shot a couple of times and that was it. And then a few jobs later and school and things like that, I end up at Frontier. I do my research before I go to the job interview and I see Elite. And I'm like, hang on a minute, I remember Elite. I, oh, hang on a minute, I now work for the game that I, I remember. And then seven and a half years later, I've been there now seven, just over seven and a half years. I'm now on Elite Dangerous. So it's kind of like a full circle for me, you know, and, and I, I actually know how to play this one as well. Brilliant. <laughs> okay, well, obviously things have moved on slightly in that sort of time. What would you say has been your, you know, your proudest moment and also maybe your biggest challenge in that time? My biggest challenge was making sure that live demo tonight worked and, and, <laughs> well, and played as well as it did. A round of applause for you then, because it you. was absolutely Thank phenomenal. You. Yeah, yeah. For it those was... people that weren't watching the Twitch stream, it was a, I mean, I can only say it was a sort of a recreation of the Damocles video that we saw earlier yeah. on in the development. I would just like to point out that that was completely live as well. There were three players in there with actual voice comms and we were playing it absolutely all the way through. And that was the biggest stress for me, just to make sure that I could do it justice that it needed. You know, I know you guys are, uh, are very um, passionate about the ships and seeing this interdictor for the first time and seeing the new gameplay and, and, and the arrival and the exiting of it and things. So I just really wanted to do it justice for you guys. So it was a big thing for me to be able to get that in and have it work as it did. So if this is the representation of the final game, you know, the game that we can look forward to playing, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Because obviously when the, when the Damocles video came out, we knew there was a lot of voiceover in there. We knew there was a lot yeah. of staging that were in there. Yeah. But what we really wanted was, that's the game we want to play. Yeah. When you launch this game, that's the scenario. Yeah. That's what we want to do. And that's what we did. I would all like to point out that 
behind the scenes, me and Eddie also finished off all those Imperial fighters. Oh, of course you did. Once, once of the, course uh, you the did. stream cut, we were still playing, <laughs> and I took them out with Dumbfire missiles as well. It was a bit tricky, but I got there. We, we carried on playing. Yeah. Made sure we cleared up. We're not up for willy-waving here when it no, comes to uh, <laughs> yeah, piloting skills. Yeah, we, we've seen your skills on Twitch. We, we know you're a reasonable pilot when it I comes to these things. Play, I still can't play with the uh, flight assist off, though. That's the other thing that we have seen tonight. We've seen some community videos as well. You know, some of the flight assist off, you know, the, the, the runs through the Coriolis station. It's phenomenal to see what players, yeah, before absolutely. the game even launches, what players are able to do. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's that emergent gameplay, you know. Oh. How about we do a home run around the Coriolis starport? Absolutely, go for it. There's a starport, there's a ship, go for it. And that's it. incredible. Uh, yeah, and that's what's so exciting about this game is this stuff that, yeah, it is a massive sandbox. It's amazing yeah. where the community will probably take you. And yeah. the main thing about yeah, this game, obviously it was backed by the, yeah, the Kickstarter. It yeah. has a lot of community involved. It has. In it. What's been, I know, probably the most surprising thing for you that's come out of that community engagement? I suppose it is, it's actually the engagement. It's the first project I've worked on where we've obviously published the game ourselves and we've had direct connection to the audience that are going to buy it and that have already bought it and pledged incredible amounts of money. Thank you all for doing that. It is that engagement, it's that passion. You don't normally see that until the game is out and you, you know, if you're lucky you get to go to a game show, but on a daily basis we get to see the passion that you guys have for the game the equal and sometimes even out equals our passion for it um, and that's the most surprising thing because I just wasn't expecting it at all and to be in a room tonight with so many players that obviously uh, have backed the game have backed it to a level enough to be able to come to the launch party the level of enthusiasm for this project yeah. is just overwhelming within yeah. the room and yeah, well, we've just been uh, trying to start this interview and a, a guy's just come over. <laughs> we will get him back onto the show, yeah. but a guy's just come over and said that he was in Jersey and you know, the weather was bad, so there was nothing taking off in Jersey. So the guy actually chartered a plane That's to come to this event this evening. There's literally no words that I can say. That's incredible. I had, he tweeted me and he said it. And I remember reading it. I didn't reply. I tried to reply to all the tweets that come to me. I don't get that many, so it's quite easy. Um, <laughs> And he tweeted me this morning, but I was here and I read it and then I kind of just got swept up in, in, in sorting stuff out. But I thought to myself, no, I mean, that's... I mean, yeah, who charters a plane yeah, to come exactly. to a... So I suppose the answer to your previous question is that. That's the most surprising thing. That's incredible. That's incredible. You guys have shown us, and girls, of course, that you don't need to charter a plane to show the passion. <laughs> You know, you, it's, it's so many different ways. The, the, obviously, the charity donations tonight was really touching. That was incredible stuff. Okay, so before we let you run away back to the bar, Adam, in your mind, where would you like to see this game going? You know, in Adam Woods' version of reality, what does Elite Dangerous look like in five years' time? Obviously, we're not going to tie you or Frontier no, Developments down to this. That's fine, yeah. I appreciate the, uh, the small print. <laughs> I am picking a point on a planet in darkness, landing, coming back out, checking where the horizon and the sunrise is, landing there, looking again, coming back up, going in full brightness. I'm looking at all those stages because it's already there. You can already fly around that planet and see that sunset. Being on it, that's going to be breathtaking. I'm looking forward to that, definitely. I can't wait to play that game. Yeah. Thank you yeah. very much for your Thank time you. and joining Labour Radio. Thanks, everyone, so Thank much. You Thank you very much. Hi, it's Psycho here, and I am here with a very, very infamous commander. That's Commander Jay Bond. Yes, he is rumoured or confirmed, depending on who you believe. If you believe Mr. B himself, Mr. Raven, that yes, Jay Bond is indeed the first commander to take him out of the game during the original Alpha build. 
It's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. J. Bond. Thank you. Pleasure's all mine for being here. Not at all. It's wonderful to have you on. Well, before we go any further, can I just put a shout out to uh, Evergrey on the forums? Because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. He was a £750-plus backer on the Kickstarter. He's in some foreign land, and he gave me his ticket. So without him, I would not be here. So oh, thank man. you to him. That is a... A travesty if you hadn't made it here. It's only right that the person that took David Raven out <laughs> <laughs> for the first time should be here and enjoying. So how have you enjoyed the evening so far? Very, very good. It's absolutely wonderful. The reveal of the Cobra was brilliant. I was not expecting that. It is a beautiful bit of kit, isn't it? Yeah, wonderful. And so um, with, with regards to the Elite Dangerous build, have you been there as an alpha backer originally, yeah, obviously? I, I'm a, a Design Decision Forum member. I, I, I got in right at the, the beginning. I'm, I'm one of, I started with Elite with Frontier. I, I came, I picked it up in a second-hand shop in the late 90s and my dad lost his Atari to it because he'd upgraded his Atari <laughs> to one meg and mine was still only 512, so it needed one meg to play. Um, me and my brother, uh, we spent a lot of time on that. And recently I've been checking every six months to see when Elite 4 was coming out and I came in halfway through the Kickstarter and it was a no-brainer. I went straight in there. Fantastic. And so, um, did you ever make Elite in the original game? No, I never, I've never played the original original and I never made Elite in uh, Frontier. Unfortunately, limited time prevailed and squabbling between me and my brother who was going to be at the controller as well. <laughs> I had much the same... Much the same situation where my brother played Elite and I got to watch. We are identical twins. Commander Cragen is my brother. He's now in Canada, so... Has he killed um, David Braben? I have no idea. <laughs> and to be fair, I didn't know I'd done it until I was forwarded David's tweet by somebody else. And speaking with David tonight, he didn't know it was me until he was told by somebody else as well. So really best get his uh, his side of the story on that. I think it make for an interesting, interesting uh, discussion. This could be a very interesting third person kind of uh, yeah. uh, reveal. But we, we have his tweet. We do have his tweet. Uh, it was back in February of this, this year. So Well, uh, while we're here, what is your most anticipated and your, the, the, the feature in Elite Dangerous that most excites you that you're desperate to wait for? Well, um... I don't know as if they're desperate to wait for it. A lot of what I want is already there. Um, it's just getting the time, letting my wife give me the time uh, <laughs> to, to play the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, I've I've got the the uh, the wireframe skin for the Cobra. I've got the silver skin for the Viper. The Viper is going to be my Aston Martin. Fantastic. I'm actually one of these guys that loves to build up the Sidewinder and get it to the top it can be, because I love the Sidewinder. Oh, Sidewinder's a beautiful ship, it really is. It's a great starting ship, although it is limited on trading. And one thing that has um, really struck me is how much of a boost starting with the Cobra is going to be. Oh, God, yes, that's very, very true. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for popping over and visiting us in the Labour Radio Thank booth. you for having me. And enjoy the rest of your evening. I hope I'll it's do my best. a wonderful night. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers. Okay, and next up from the show floor, we have the wonderful Tom Kuehl joining us. Hello there. I'm here to test your base levels. Excellent. Well, I have to say you're so far... The, it's not so much the base levels we're testing, but also how high the microphone stand will stretch. It's true. I do tower, although... One of my favourite things about this event is there is someone here who is even taller than me. Surely not. Oh yes, he towers. I want to climb him. <laughs> okay, that's going to go into the blooper reel for a start, <laughs> but okay. 
Tom, what's your official job title within the game? Uh, so I'm a games designer at Frontier. I've worked on various aspects of the game. And have you been there from the get-go? Have you been there since the Kickstarter two years ago? or? So I've been on board since the Kickstarter. The game's been about for a while. Yep. So you'd struggle to find someone who's been there through the whole thing. I guess David. <laughs> uh, but no, I've, I've been on since the success of the Kickstarter, yeah. Okay, and what would you say with your, the main areas of the game that you've been responsible for? So I think all, all of us designers have all had our fingers in all sorts of pies. Mainly, I would say, exploration, trading, a little bit of flight model stuff. Uh, I designed the weapons. Oh, excellent. I'm quite pleased with that. But yeah, all, all sorts of things, really. Okay, knowing the community the way I do, I know for a fact that our listeners' ears pricked up when they heard the word exploration. So let's, let's dig a little bit into that. Yeah. How do you feel about exploration as it currently stands? What would you like to see in the next few months? And what would you like to see without tying Frontier down to it in the next couple of years? So... Exploration as it stands, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with. I think the only thing that really sort of breaks my heart about exploration as it currently is, is we've never really had an opportunity to explain the narrative of why all these systems, even though there's a station there around a planet, you scan the planet and they're like, yeah, we'll buy that. <laughs> I, cannot, I went on the Reddit the other day and sort of unofficially clarified the situation just to explain that it's almost like you've bought a sat-nav when you buy your ship and you've got the planets that you know about and the planets that you've got data on. And then on top of that, there's all the extra stuff that you could either go to Universal Cartographics, you could go to them and you could buy new data, or you could buy yourself a discovery scanner and you could start picking up that data for yourself. So all you're really doing most of the time is adding to your own library of data. And so these little stations that orbit the planets are always happy to have new up-to-date data on what's going on on the planet's surface. You know, tectonic plates are shifting all the time, eruptions are happening. Earth is one of the most stable planets in the galaxy, you know? <laughs> so these things are constantly in shift. So that's kind of the idea, is that's why you get these trifling amounts, is because Universal Cartographics and the system subsidize the cost of your exploration. Going forward, hopefully we'll be able to put in things where you can genuinely be the person who found Planet X. <laughs> you know, I flew here, no one's ever been there before, that is my planet. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff on the server side with that. The guys who do our network code, you know, they get a lot of flack on the forums and in other places, but they are insanely talented. They yeah. do a lot of work. And so every day, the work they do on that, you know, the, the feature's kind of coming along, but we've got, to, we've got to nail that down, and hopefully we can get that in sometime. I mean, it's almost, certainly from the exploration side of things, going through Alpha where we had seven systems, into Beta where, you know, that expanded until up until Gamma where we finally lost our cigar, you know. There's a few of us out there that are feeling a bit agoraphobic now that the whole galaxy has been exposed. It's are we really going to be able to explore all of these star systems? So you'll always find that there are places that you cannot go. The laws of physics kind of demand that it be that way. <laughs> we've put in the new build that we've put out. I think we're on Gamma now, aren't we? We are on Gamma. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> it's been a long night. It has uh, been a long night. It's been a long two years. But Gamma's out, and at that point, we have a permit system. So there are some systems that require you to get chummy with the faction that owns them before you can get in there. I think that's really nice, and it's one of the few little gating systems that we can put in. David said before that there are some systems that we want to rope off so that we can use them to do big narrative things in the future. You know, there's one of the fav my favorite things about this game is the number of opportunities we've given to ourselves and to the players to tell stories, you know, to really sort of make up a narrative as they go. 
No, I think that's phenomenal. And, and obviously with the story side of things, we're <laughs> hopefully it's not coming through on the feed, but in the background to us, we've actually got Kate Russell doing a live uh, read-through of her stories. It's a brilliant book, isn't it? It's a phenomenal book. And you know, the stories that are coming out of this universe already have been you know, phenomenal achievements. And the fact that the sandbox is so big, the stories are literally limitless. Well, the books that the various writers have written just add to the depth of the galaxy in a way that we really just couldn't do with just gameplay alone, you know? We need players to be in the eyes of, of different people living in the galaxy and really understand how they live. Okay, so I mean, we're talking about the players, talking about obviously Elite Dangerous has the, the largest amount, I would say, of any sort of community involvement of any game currently in development. Has that been a, a, a good thing, a bad thing, a double-edged sword? How have you found that within the team? I think the backers provide a certain amount. I mean, we had a, a process in game development in this game, which was called the Design Discussion Forum, which then became the Design Decision Forum. <laughs> First of all, I'll say it's been nothing but a good thing because when people are willing to just throw their passion and their ideas at you, sometimes, okay, you have to say, no, that's not great. But when someone drops a gem on your, on your doorstep, you know, you just pick it up and it goes in the game and it's brilliant. It's been wonderful interacting with the community in that way. And I think the only trouble is I've been telling a couple of people tonight, you know, how occasionally you will always get back as you come on and say, oh, there should be a gun where every time I pull the trigger, I get a thousand <laughs> credits and it instantly kills the other guy. And it's perfect. You sit there and go, I appreciate where you're coming from. There's a reason we can't do that. But, you know, as a designer, that's the point of us being professional designers. We can look over that data and pick out the salient points. For us, identifying the real problems with the game, there's been so many things, like with the flight model, we agonized for hours and hours about how do we stop this kind of behavior? How do we stop that kind of issue? Things like the turning rate, the little blue zone on your throttle, is purely a product of us going, how can we make these dogfights in space not circle each other or things the boost is so that you can break away and do another strafing run you know we we really tried to take as like as uh, methodical an approach as we can to the design problems and the ddf is a really good tool for identifying the big issues that bother players well i'll pick two things out of that one obviously within the the lave radio show we do uh, a sideshow called uh, retro lave and uh, one of the things we've played on that recently, <laughs> recently, that's a joke, uh, in the last year has been uh, Free Space, which had a multiplayer online element. Right. And when we got into that, what we found was actually the combat just involved you going round and round and round and round in a circle and was the most dull. I mean, the game itself is a brilliant game. The narrative is superb, but the actual combat against real life human players was so dull because we just ended up circling each other. The so fact that Elite Dangerous hasn't, come to that at all and the dogfighting is so exciting it's all credit to you it's, guys it's the result of hours of agonizing meetings shouting you you guys have spoken to mike evans already angry shouting <laughs> <laughs> um did you ever play Star Fox? yes uh, we did Lilith was yeah uh, i love that game but the combat in that is you lock in you tilt your craft and you circle exactly same thing and i love it i love the loops and all that it's a game that i treasure from my childhood but it's got flaws and it's wonderful having examples like that and examples in other games where you can look at that and go how can we stand out from that how can we change things for the better we hope the other sort of salient point about the, the community interaction one of the things that we've heard from david and from michael brooks about the the ddf and the community involvement has been the fact that 
U-turns to be too much of a strong word, but one of the things that they had a strong influence on was the implementation of supercruise, that you weren't just going to jump to a planet and come to fixed points, that you were able to actually travel around the solar systems. Now, I know supercruise is a little bit sort of precious to your heart. Tell us about your involvement with supercruise. I think the thing with supercruise, I'm really proud of it because it came from the community. Obviously, we put the same time and dedication that every pitch that went on the DDF got when we realized it was an issue and we had to solve it. Again, we took a methodical approach and we came up with a solution to the problem. Interestingly, the big thing with this game is that if you take something like uh, Call of Duty or, or Legend of Zelda or, or any game you'd care to mention, anything multiplayer, when you do an action in that game, your character updates where he is in the world. And that is super if you're in a one mile square area, you know? Yeah. It's sort of one of those things where you could, if maybe you jitter a little bit, maybe two inches to the right or two inches to the left on someone else's game, but it makes no difference to the overall experience. We sort of realized when we started making the game and realized that things were light years apart and that two players meeting in space, <laughs> the numbers are astronomical. I mean, the technical achievement on this game of making such a stable situation. I know network hasn't always lived up to what it is, what it needs to be, but I think that's fixed in gamma. Yeah, now. absolutely. It's fairly safe to say. But getting that networking to sort of understand that we're not talking about meters here, we're talking about mega meters, we're talking <laughs> about light seconds, and it needs to be perfect. And so originally there was a, a lot of talk about how can we get the players to meet each other in space, fly between planets. And we ended up at this contentious point. I can't say anyone was really thrilled with it, where we said, okay, well, actually, it's the planets where the action happens. Yeah. But I think, if anything, the, the game as it is now kind of proves that sometimes you kind of need its space. It needs to feel big. Yeah. Sometimes you need to understand just how empty space is. And we've tried to make Super Cruise exciting and thrilling and things like that, but it just needs to be there to give you that sense of scale. So we went from a system where you would simply dial into your hyperdrive, I'm at Earth, I want to go to Mercury, and you would perform a jump and get there. So you would do these jumps between different planets, and you could, you could carry on at 300 meters a second, and you could fly between planets if, you, if you'll live long enough. But making it, so that, making it so that players could actually move between two different places, still get that sense of scale, and still be doing it themselves, you know, really feeling like they're piloting their ship was something that proved to be important to the community. It was important to us as designers. It was important to David, you know, it, it was one of those things that really sort of blew up. We realized that we just needed to take the time and devote the resources to make that happen. Honestly, I think it's turned out really well. I think we've had so many contingent like things that have come in to add to Super Cruise and turn it into something that's genuinely a sort of quintessential part of the game. Absolutely, and fair play to all of you guys. You have absolutely nailed it. You have got the sense of scale, the sense of sort of being able to pilot your ship around in a massive solar system. But, but the thing is, is, I mean, we got the negative feedback from the, the community about the hyperspacing system. And once we proposed the Super Cruise system, the ream of responses that came in about things that would be cool to do and things that would make it exciting are just, it's just like someone's piling gold on us, you know. As I said before, sometimes you've got to go, no, nah, that's, that's not going to work. But, you know, if you get 100 posts and one of them has a, a gem in it, then you've gained. Okay, we're going to wrap this up, but as your much better half is trying to take you away, last question, 
Blue Sky thinking, where would you like to see this game in five years' time? And I have to say, this is your personal view, not something we're going to tie down lead, uh, Frontier Developments to. So, as far as the design department's involved, we've got so much stuff drawn up. I think, honestly, if we started working through the design documents and implementing them into the game, we'd be at it for 10 years. Uh, I don't think there's any lack of features that we've got. I... I can see this game being the kind of thing that holds players for, for hours and years and things like that. And I think keeping that experience fresh and keeping it exciting and making sure that there's always that sense of wonderment, something new to discover, that's what's key to me. So for me, I think it's about expanding the universe, expanding what the players can do, expanding the exciting different things that can happen. Excellent. Uh, and that's a lot of work, but I've got my fingers crossed that we get the time, we get the backers, and we get the support that we need to get that done. Well, here's hoping you're still with us in 10 years' time doing the same job on the same game, mate. Tom, thank you very much for joining Lave Radio. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. Cheers. Hi, I'm here with Amasri, uh, one of the forum members. Amasri, uh, could you explain to us your uh, experience and how you got into the Elite universe? I mean, it started back in... Well, I would guess 84, but it might have been 85. A friend of mine brought this game in to school and we just kind of started playing on the BBC Micros at, at, in the school lab and spent many hours uh, yeah, playing together, obviously, on different machines. What was the machine you were on? The BBC Micro? Yeah, so Did you try in the Spectrum? I, had, I played it on the Micro, uh, Amiga and the PC so far, and now obviously on the PC again. And did you play Frontier, Frontier 2? Yes. I used to play the PC versions uh, with my brother many years ago. We'd kind of take turns. We always had a, a, you know, arguments over, you know, if we could play multiplayer, <laughs> who would be able to kick whose ass, basically. My brother actually died in 2010. So when, when the uh, Kickstarter came up and everything, and, and I back to a level where it said I could name an NPC, I thought, right, that's what I'll do. So I put my brother in there. Um, I haven't found him yet, and I'm no. not sure that I want to find out who can be, you know, whoop whose ass now. Would you, break, yeah. would you break your heart if he was wanted? I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a, it'd be a difficult one. I'm not sure that I'd want to, obviously, if he attack me first. You know. I <laughs> understand, but it's, it's a wonderful way to immortalise someone you care about. It's a, it's a fantastic thing. And we have had in the forums recently. Oh, yeah, I saw it on the forums where, um, I forget the commander's name, but yeah, so he put his, his dad in. That's right. And actually yes. managed to find him. So yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Right? Yeah, pretty it's, special. It's an amazing way to just pay a tribute to them for this thing from your childhood. It's a wonderful thing. I'm really really glad to hear you managed to do that. <laughs> With the, the regards to the newly dangerous, are you an alpha backer level? Uh, no, I was premium beta. Premium beta. Couldn't quite swing the alpha yet. <laughs> and have you enjoyed what you've played so far? Loved it. Just absolutely brilliant. And uh, is there any any particular part of the game that you're most looking forward to? I think that for me, the main thing is, is being able to play online with lots of other people. When I used to play, that was always what I, what I thought is, you know, all these other ships, they were other real people flying around. That's how much it, it dragged you in. It, they weren't, you know, it wasn't like some games where it is just, you know, you're firing at some shapes, whatever. You know, you do, you do start to empathize with the other commanders around you, the other pilots, and yeah. I think that's the it's main on, thing for you, me. You create their backstories for them and wonder where yeah. they're travelling to and things like that. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And is there any main features uh, for this Gamma build and the full release that you're desperately looking forward to? Oh, well, so many, really. I mean, the, I think, yeah, the, to, to play with the, the new ranking systems, 
Yeah, because obviously, yeah, it was a little bit morally questionable. The old way of just your ranking was based on how many people you killed. And it didn't really care whether they were, you know, justified or just straight yes. murder. You subscribe but, yeah. to the Ben Moss Woodward of killing the innocents <laughs> to get your ranking up. Exactly, yeah. How are you enjoying this evening? It's been really good. It's nice to see the, the production have gone through and the scale model of the Cobra Mark III. It looks fantastic, it does. It is a spectacular, yeah. I mean, they've, they've really pulled it out of the bag. And have you had a chance to play in the Oculus yet? I haven't here, no, I've played on the Oculus before at the BAFTA uh, Inside Games Awards and also I've got some friends who've got it, so. See, that was on the DK1, I haven't played on the DK2 yet. Oh, you need to go over and have a go in the DK2, that's an absolute must. Before you leave tonight, get yourself a shot. Okay, I definitely want to get myself an Oculus when, they, when they're released for the, oh, absolutely. the consumer well, version. Thank you very much, Amash, right. it's been really nice speaking to you. Great, thank you very have much. Have a great evening. You thank too. You. Cheers. Right, bye bye. Cheers. Thanks. Okay, and welcome back to the show floor. This is Commander Fozzer reporting. I am very pleased to say that I've managed to capture Mr. Mark Wharton, aka Commander Mac from Jersey, the guy who has gone a little bit above and beyond, shall we say, in order to get here this evening. Commander Mack, why don't you tell us exactly what you did? Well, thank you, Commander Foster. It's, you know, unfortunately, this morning, I was supposed to be coming over, and we got to the airport, and the weather was inclement. Basically, it was foggy, and there was no planes going out. So I found out that my 10 o'clock flight, or sorry, my 8 o'clock flight, suddenly became a 10 o'clock flight, suddenly became a 2 o'clock flight, suddenly became a 4 o'clock flight. Oh, no. And I'm suddenly thinking, I ain't going to make this premiere. So I suddenly decided that I've got one option. There was nothing was able to land. However, for those of you who know how airports work, if it's on the tarmac, it can take off. So I rang up sort of private plane hire. It's a bit like a taxi next door. And said... How much to fly to the UK? So hold on, let me, let's get this right. You actually chartered your own plane to fly across to the UK to come here tonight? Yes. Unbelievable. So I think that probably wins the Above and Beyond award for getting here this evening. And I'm going to be cheeky now. I'm going to ask, how much does it cost, for crying out loud, to hire a plane to get from Jersey to the UK? £3,586. Oh my lord. Please tell me that you were able to sell some seats on the plane. It wasn't just you. I, I asked a few people who were also trying to get over and I did manage to sell a couple of seats for a couple of hundred pounds. So I sold three seats for £200 each to random people who I've never ever met who now apparently have me on their best friends list. <laughs> yeah, I bet they do. So a couple of hundred pounds, what was the total cost of getting here this evening? £2,900 on the plane, and then I just, because of the train and what have you, I ended up taking a taxi. So I just said to the taxi driver, drive me up to Cambridge. So he said, okay, that's going to be 100 quid. I said, well, I'll give you 80. He said, yeah, fine. That is a phenomenal story, mate. Absolutely amazing. So obviously, in order to do that, let's be honest, you've got to be reasonably passionate about the game that you're seeing tonight. I love this game. I've been involved with this game since Kickstarter. I've been a member of the DDF, and I love this game. I take it this is probably a love affair that goes all the way back to 84, was it? It does. You can probably see the back of my T-shirt, <laughs> which I know you guys on, online can't, but my T-shirt says the original 84 to 2014 30 years of elite fantastic how have you found this evening has it lived up to the expectations i mean let's be honest was it worth 
£2,900. Well, if I hadn't have been here, I wouldn't know. <laughs> it's been a fantastic evening. I don't feel that I can qualify it in monetary value because if I hadn't have been here, I don't know. Well, Commander Mac, that's an amazing story. Thank you very much for joining us on Live Radio. Take care, sir. See you in the galaxies. Okay, and another random punter that we've managed to drag to the Elite Dangerous Lave Radio booth. Introduce yourself, sir. Tell us who you are, what your forum name is, and what level you back the game at. My name is John Whitehouse. Um, I'm an alpha backer. Um, my name on the forums is John, is John Whitehouse. And uh, I'm absolutely loving the, loving the evening. It's absolutely fantastic. So well, I was going to say, we, we dragged you here because you're a face we recognise. As you're a, uh, obviously been to Lavegon, you've been to some of the elite community meets already. How does this compare to what you've already been to? Uh, oh, it's it's fantastic! It's absolutely fantastic. They're all brilliant. They're all absolutely wonderful. Look, I'm booked in for Lavecon 2015, so um, can't wait. Really looking forward to it. I was listening to Lave Radio on the way down from on the way down here, like so to get in the mood. So uh, this is what we yeah. want to hear. This yeah, is exactly yeah, yeah, what we want to hear. Yeah, but no, so. what uh, what do you think of the event so far? It's been uh, awesome. You know. Uh, the, the, the effort that I've gone to, to to put this thing out and all the all the people seeing everybody again and everybody so it's been brilliant it's been absolutely fantastic no I have so, to say I mean, for those people that haven't been watching on the Twit feed yeah Twit feed yeah Twit feed <laughs> the Twitch feed I yes. really need to sort of lay off the lagers uh, for those people that haven't been watching on the Twitch feed it's been a fantastic atmosphere down here it's basically top gear with spaceships absolutely brilliant yeah <laughs> excellent well, well I'm sure we'll, we'll catch up with you later on John yeah. thanks for stopping by thank you enjoy Thanks, mate. Uh, welcome back. You're listening to the uh, live recording from the show floor for Lay Radio. I'm very pleased to announce that we've actually got the head of audio for Frontier Developments, Jim Croft, has joined us on the show. Hello, Jim. Hello. Uh, Jim, congratulations. Audio, I think you've got, to, uh, you've got to take a bow because it's one of the things that the fans have really sort of stood up and said. It's one of the things that makes the game so impressive. And considering the, uh, the history of the game, we didn't have a lot of sounds to go back into the, you know, the 1984 version or even the Frontier version didn't have a lot of sounds. What we've got now is it's basically an orchestra of uh, amazing sound effects. Give us a little bit of an insight as to what sort of things you look after. It made it very easy that the original Elite didn't have a particularly memorable soundtrack because there was a blank, blank slate there and David Braben uh, had, had the faith in me to really just let rip with the soundtrack, with the, with the, uh, with the sound design for the game. And, you know, the all power to the management of, uh, of Frontier because they, they have put a lot of trust in me to choose the right composer, work with the composer, build the audio team around you know the direction of, of where I wanted to go with the game and you know I, I've basically been giving carte blanche to um, create a really really cool soundtrack and I've been in the industry for about 20 years and I've this is a labor of love I mean I you know, <laughs> really I mean I've, I've loved every minute of it and so do my team we absolutely love it and you can hear it in every sound effect <laughs> because we really think about detail and that's definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, comes across in it. I mean, one of the things that when we were playing it in the alpha and the beta, when we first managed to actually go into our frameshift drives, the sound that you have when you're oh, actually it's in frameshift. It's kicking, isn't it? It's Again, awesome. that's Joe Hogan. You know, all the kind of really upfront, ballsy sound effects, they're all about Joe's design, Joe's vision. And, you know, the only credit I can take for those is, is, is recruiting him. <laughs> I found him, and I, I'm, just, I'm just absolutely made up that I did because... <laughs> Because he's just absolutely been the signature of this game. And uh, there are a lot of other people involved. And I've got to say that one of the most important things about g delivering this uh, score, this soundtrack, is, uh, is coding. And, well, you know, we've had, uh, I've been able to recruit three 
and ring fence three audio coders. And that's been crucial in making you know, our vision as sound designers happen in the game, allowing us to implement what we need to implement by having code support. And I have to say, you know, talking as a layman here, I'm assuming that the coding side of the, the sound design is all about the sort of the rise and fall that, which uh, happens depending on what's going on within the game in terms of whether you're coming up a code. It's the logic side of it. It's, it's the interactive side of it. It's, it's actually making the, the sound interactive, making it work within the game. You know, we get the incredible detail uh, in, the, in the game doesn't come up out of nowhere. It's very expensive and um, we have to create management systems that allow us to, to have that scope within that small kind of moment in time and then manage those emitters so that they then go away and we can focus on something else because we can't have everything. We have to kind of manage our data all the time and it's really, really important that we have that code support. So if we didn't, we wouldn't really be able to do very much. Yeah. It wouldn't be, and it wouldn't be as interactive as it is. Because the crucial thing about the audio in Elite is it's super interactive. And everything you do, kind of, it's a cause and effect thing with the audio. And I think the, the nice thing about that from a player is, I have to say, you don't notice it. Which is, it's going to sound awful, no, but no, it's, it, not, no. it's, it's, it's seamless. That's what, exactly what we want. It's we want absolutely just seamless. To, just to not really notice. Mm. Yeah, know. it's almost like... That's the, the greatest compliment. It's the soundtrack in the player's head and the yeah. fact that it's reacting automatically to the stuff that you're doing, experiencing exactly. the game. Exactly. I mean, it's been a two-year journey uh, that we've been going on. And one of the big things that came out was the choice of the uh, composer, the choice of the guy who's going to be around the, yeah, the music. Obviously, we, in Elite Dangerous, we had the Blue Daniel, which was great, and it's lovely to see that still in the game. In Frontier, we had some more classical we scores. To, we managed to just about <laughs> fry it in there. <laughs> Don't matter if you shoehorn it in, it was yeah, one of the things yeah, that yeah. had to go in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Frontier, we had obviously the classical scores. How important was it for you to sort of bring that up to date and get a new composer on board? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pressure to, you know, live up to the other AAA games that are out there, and we couldn't have got away with just doing a linear orchestral score. Would have made my life a lot easier. <laughs> but no, we found Erasmus and, you know, we went through a very extensive process of, of narrowing down the composer. And Erasmus has got a background in sound design and he really understands how music works in games. And um, I just love what he does. I love his stuff. As simple as that, really. And as the games evolved, it took us a while to really nail what the score was. Because we didn't really know what Elite was. Yeah, and absolutely. As soon as Super Cruise came in, and that's like a spine to me. That's the spine of the game. And everything comes off that. Suddenly, it all made sense. And I love the way that it's not all about cutscenes. It's not, it's not all about these set pieces of music, which are just throwaway. Yep. You spend so much time on these one-shot pieces. And what we've done is we've created this lovely kind of emotive, malleable kind of soundscape that just comes and goes and people kind of might notice it and might not and I love that I love the fact that you know it's not in your face it's just it just comes and goes and I'm, I'm just really proud of where it's all come together you know I think Erasmus does great work and uh, we've got a great team of sound designers and coders and I think we've all worked really really hard we've put a lot of hours into this game I, yeah and it shows I have to say Jim it really does show and you know yeah, the, the constant thing that keeps on coming back from the community is just how good, and every time we get a new beta release and everything else that's been tweaked, one of the things that comes back from the community is just how good the audio in this game is. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot now, because okay. again, community radio, this is one of the questions that we get asked quite a lot, uh, and you're probably just the guy to answer it. Obviously, you could talk about other AAA games. Grand Theft Auto jumps out there as something that has lots of 
in-game music, radio stations? Has it been talked about in the office about terms of futuristic music? Is it going to be possible to have a playlist or different types of radio or you know, music within your ship? Is that something you'd like to see or do you see challenges with that? I'd love to see the community contributing much more to what we're doing. And hopefully that will happen and we'll open this whole thing up and it becomes self-perpetuating. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure people could understand that we can't spend months and months on putting together on daily we'd have to create you know we'd have to be a radio station basically <laughs> we can't do that we're a games company you know we're a sound department within a games company we can't possibly create a radio station but we could open up that potential and I'd love to see that because it would make it would make the whole game feel more alive that's where we're going and that's for the future and that'll be an amazing um, addition to a sense of being part of something that's living I think that's really important. So I'm all for it, and I, you know, and I, we're going to be setting up, we're going to be giving as much support for all that kind of stuff. If we can get, perhaps if we can get the backers to, to maybe create the content, then we can somehow take that content and, and make it work in the universe. I think we'll work together on that one. No, I think that's absolutely brilliant, Jim. Okay, so I've asked all the devs this so far. It's been a two-year journey. It's a long journey. What's been your top highlight and your biggest challenge on creating Elite Dangerous so far? Oh my God, what a difficult question. Um, I think when I first joined the company and you know, I sat down and realized the blank slate that was in front of me, the challenge was putting a team together to live up to expectations, I suppose. Okay, the, the soundtrack wasn't there uh, you know, originally, but there were huge expectations about the game. And so what we wanted to do is make, make sure that we fulfill those expectations in a sonic way. I just want to talk about the good stuff. I want to talk about, <laughs> I want to talk about how, we, how we managed to make the game so interactive. You know, the, the sound changes all the time. Um, challenges. Uh, well, surely that blank I, slate I was what, the biggest I challenge. What, I tell you what, blank slate was a huge challenge. But when someone, when we suddenly realized what Super Cruise actually meant, right? These multiple light speeds that you're traveling at, suddenly, None of our tools worked for audio, <laughs> right? Because we 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 used to working in meters, not 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 light light years, right? <laughs> like, or light seconds. So we, you know we had to come up with this whole you know way of of kind of you know of, of ratioing down what those massive distances that were going on and how quickly that you're you're moving you know between between a long way away and and very close, <laughs> and that, that was a nightmare actually. But it was a, it was a technical challenge that we overcame because we had very clever technical people on our team, on the audio team. I'm going to follow it up because there's been two things that you've just sort of alluded to there which I've got to highlight. Obviously the first Damocles video we saw, oh, yeah. the sound effect for coming out of Super Cruise sent shivers down everybody's spine. The fact that that's made it into the final game is superb. But also the, the sound effects within Super Cruise, the ethereal nature of it, the fact that I mean, again, this might just be me putting it, but you're almost listening to voices as you go through Super Cruise, which adds oh, to... Oh, hyperspace, you mean? Absolutely, sorry, I hyperspace. Yep, hyperspace. Yeah, hyperspace. Yep. When you're going to train shift drive and you're in hyperspace... Once again, Joe Hogan's vision. It's a brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Is there any lore around the fact, are there voices, are we hearing things, or is this just us projecting onto hyperspace? Oh, no, you're definitely hearing things. Awesome. Jim, we're going <laughs> to leave it there. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers. Okay, and welcome back. And we've managed to snap another Frontier Developments developer onto the show. And I'm very privileged to announce that we have got Chris Gregory, art director. Welcome to the show, sir. Hi, nice, great to be here. I have to say, a fantastic effort on the event so far. It has absolutely been phenomenal. It's been really, really good. It's been great meeting everyone. Um, it's been 
so good to finally get some stuff out there, like the capital ship, which we've been sitting on for a little while, hopefully made its mark in the demo. Lovely to get that out there. Um, demo went really well, um, couldn't, couldn't have asked for better. And uh, yeah, and of course the Cobra. Absolutely. And let's go straight into that Cobra, because I think we probably have you to thank for the scale model that is yeah, the phenomenal centerpiece of this entire event. Well, I certainly wouldn't want to take the credit. I mean, our, our, our marketing team uh, had the had the concepts, and uh, we provided the plans and the uh, the models from the game and reference and all of that to a really great model making company, who's done a lot of really great work for other uh, other projects, and they've pulled just pulled an amazing job on it. It's uh, it's so um, it's so great to see it realised in that scale, and that's not even full scale. I well, mean, this is the question I was going to ask you. I mean, what scale do you think that model is in comparison to, obviously, the, the massive tonnage that is the game in uh, the, so, the modeling game? So, roughly, we think it's about one-sixth. One-sixth? That's what we think. Mike wow. Brooks was doing some of the uh, the math earlier, and that's what he came up with. So, I'm going to defer to him on that so one. A one-sixth scale model of the Cobra Mark III planted straight in the middle of the hangar at the Imperial War Museum. And I have to say, it's a... It's a phenomenal thing to see. It's a thing of beauty, it really is. So congratulations on that. They've done an awesome, awesome job. And, and just the details, the weathering, being able to walk around it. I mean, literally, you, um, we've had little scale models printed in the office, um, and that's been really fun. But seeing it on this scale was ridiculous. We got um, pictures sent in every day, progress reports, and I believe there's a time lapse that's been done that we're hoping to release as well That'd be awesome. uh, of, its, uh, of its progress. Um, so seeing it, seeing it grow, we had big grins on our faces every day in the office. And, uh, and it's, been, it's, it's revealed with the, uh, the bringing back the hangar doors to sort of see it in its full glory was, uh, was a treat, I think. Please tell me that you were on the, uh, the right side of the hangar door, standing on this side with the Cobra, watching uh, the, the look on people's faces as it was revealed as the hangar doors opened. I absolutely made sure that I was on the right side, and, uh, and the, the music, the sound effects all came into full effect. It was awesome. It was. I mean, standing on the other side of the hangar door and having them open, I was standing right behind David Braben and just, you know, I had a 14-year-old smile plastered all over my face There's when I saw it. There's a lot of uh, very stupid grins on a lot of faces, um, and, uh, and the, night's, the night's gone really well so happy with that really well obviously i mean this is uh, all about celebrating the game and celebrating tonight but obviously the journey's been a two-year journey what would you say were your highlights and maybe some of your lowlights from the uh, the journey so far oh so i mean tonight obviously has to be a highlight but also um, little things along the way like coming to bafta was great uh coming to lavecon was kind of cool as well meeting everyone there um definitely the the unique nature of the project it being a kick-started uh a project with uh heavy input from uh, the people who were going to play the game never had that before um, so that was great uh, usually we work in the dark for, on projects for a good two years um, and then at the end of those two years uh, we release it whereas on this one we've been obviously delivering builds constantly uh, which has been uh, a big uh, big effort but worth it because we get feedback right away so that's that's been great and obviously you say it's a unique experience but surely that's a double-edged sword you get feedback but Obviously, some of it's going to be positive, some of it's going to be negative on your design. So, so these um, must be your babies. Well, absolutely. You know, we release new ships. Some people like it. Some people not so keen on it. That's fine. And sometimes we listen, to be honest. Sometimes we go fair cop. You know, you've, you're caught there. That's, uh, and, and we have made little tweaks, which, uh, which the eagle-eyed people will notice, just to uh, bring things in line with uh, maybe some uh, pretty accurate comments and, and, and judgments that maybe we're too close to. It's been a really unique and interesting process. I was going to say, I mean, unique's got to be the word because obviously you're taking you know, wireframe models from 30 years ago and saying, right, here we go, we're going to make these into sort of things that will run on you know, the latest cutting-edge computers, next-gen consoles, 
you know, what kind of an experience is that? How challenging was it? It's been good. Um, so obviously we worked really closely with David to sort of bring his vision. It's almost like that's what it was in his head back in the 80s. Obviously they had to pare that down. Um, and to be fair, they did an awesome job with the graphics of the day of making shapes that people really connected with um, and talk about to this day. Um, literally the amount of... Um, I wasn't an elite fan back in the day, so I was coming to it cold and being informed about it. And, uh, and the amount of passion for those ships is something that we wanted to definitely try and live up to and to create a new version that hopefully excites a bunch of new uh, players. And it's been fantastic uh, just over on the... Uh, the, uh, the war room there with the uh, the stage demo, uh, show floor demo rather. Seeing kids play. Absolutely. It's been fab, you know? It's an eclectic mix of people that we have at this launch event. It really is. We have obviously your, your stereotypical elite gamers, your people that played it in 1984, but we have their wives, which is quite interesting. We have their kids here tonight as well. And they're all of them really enthusiastic about the game that they're seeing. It's been great to see. I think the enthusiasm in the room is, is tangible um, and it's been, uh, it's been an exciting evening for everyone involved. I'm going to wrap up there because I know you have places to go and people to see, but thank you very much for stopping by. Chris, good luck with the rest of the development. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank Cheers. you very much. Uh, welcome back, and we're still recording live from the Elite Dangerous premiere event at the Duxford Imperial War Museum. And I'm thrilled to say that we've got one of the stars of the development of Elite Dangerous. <laughs> He's laughing here, but he is one of the stars. Good Evans, it's Mike Evans, developer, Frontier Developments. Thank welcome, you very Mike. much. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, it's absolute pleasure. So, Mike, in the community, we know that you've had a lot to do with the flight controls. We That's know right. you've had a lot to do with the, the cockpit. It's been a long old journey. It's been two years in the making to get to where it's we are two now. Years. It's two years? Two years in the Oh my making. God, okay. What has been your proudest moment of the development cycle so far? Something that you've had a, an impact and an influence on? Well, as you say, the flight model was pretty much uh, set in stone way back when, I guess two years ago now. Back in the day when the Kickstarter just finished and Sandy had been moved on to the project. He pulled a few strings to get me on board after uh, we worked together on a previous project me and Sandy basically just gelled. We knew exactly what we wanted the Elite flight model to be. And then I went ahead and even prototyped my own version of what the flight experience should be, including uh, the, the, the whole cockpit motion and the panels and being able to look to the left and right, see these panels and fly around. And we even did a rudimentary um, heat tracking. I had this little ball that flew around in space and it would get hot and cold and your weapons would track when it was hot. I mean, they'd stop tracking when they were cold and, it, and we were just messing around. It was really quick and really, really good. And it was just, just me and him iterating and we nailed it. That's probably my proudest moment, getting that flight model to feel right, right then and there and having that much influence on the game as it's gone forwards and not having to roll back and change it because someone else didn't like it or whatever. I think that's, yeah, that's phenomenal. It's, it, it's so integral as, you know, talking as a member of the community, it's so integral to the way the game plays and how the game feels. That cockpit is obviously... You know, going back to the 1984 version, that's all you had. You had a yeah. few lines on the screen. Yeah, the rest was left to your memory. Obviously, we're now we're in next-generation graphics, computers, Yeah, full consoles. 3D geometry. Exactly. To be able to give you the same sense of immersion that you are in this spaceship, you are in this cockpit, it, was yeah. going to take a, a step forward from what we've had before. So it couldn't be static. But to get integrated as well as you have done, I think it's a phenomenal achievement. Well, we took a lot of inspiration from um, more traditional flight sims. When you know you look at these um, flight sims about the A10 Warthog, and you get track IR users, and they're looking around their cockpit, and it's like a billion switches, and just to start the plane is like 20 different things you have to do. But just the idea of 
being in a place and being able to look around. That's just something that I feel was massively lacking in the kind of science fiction space combat games you had, which were very fixed, very sort of like we used to call it debug camera. Most they just felt like a debug camera because when you typical game development, you activate the debug camera. That's what most space combat games were, felt like. You know, I wanted to do a proper you know, tribute to these these traditional flight sims and hardcore flight simmers. It must have been a massive challenge to integrate it in such a way that it feels. It feels seamless as the pilot because when we saw it, when it came through, it's yeah. like, okay, so it's all holographic displays. And yeah. In theory, you look left and you look right. And that worked. From the get-go, it worked in terms of the controls and moving left, moving right and looking. Now, however, with the things like the Oculus Rift coming on board. Yeah, it just seems to work really, up, really well with it. It's like, how can this That's not That's just like been... by accident, isn't it? It's like, hang on a minute. If I could just look at that panel and have it open without having to press a button, that'd be great. Because we were going we to do a thing where you, you would still have to press a button to open up the panel. I mean, it turns out that actually just by looking at it and having it do that little sound and come up, that's, that's freaking cool. And this is phenomenal. This is what you think, we assume, from watching all the films and videos and stuff and movies. You know, if you're in a, a jet fighter and you've got one of those wonderful helmets on yep. with a head-up display, everything happens to them just by looking at it. They do, And yeah. when you've got this latest technologies like the Oculus Rift or a track IR or anything like that, the fact that it replicates so well in-game must give you an enormous and sense it, of yeah, pride. It, it does. It's like really, really unique. I, I'm pretty sure... Going forwards, there's going to be a lot of games in future that are going to just follow in these footsteps, and that's something to be proud of. You know, from my perspective, I went down to the Eurogamer down in London event. First time I tried a, a DK2 Oculus Rift. Yeah, and just the fact that, but there's so many people that are are stuck in the uh, the straightforward look, and all these people who had Oculus Rifts on, just staring straight ahead without <laughs> moving their head left I or mean, right or anything. When I played it. I, the ship went over my head. I literally went all the way back, all the way looked back. up, and followed it. And there was just this massive. I, ooh. I, I did that for hours. When when I was um, originally testing Oculus Rift, I, I don't suffer from motion sickness. Basically, I could have that thing on my head for six hours. <laughs> and I, this is on the DK1, so it had terrible resolution. Wow. You couldn't read anything. And I remember just having it on, and and I was all over the place. And I, I was in an asteroid field, and I'd love it when they would shoot past me, and I would look up followed them all the way out the roof of my cockpit and, and, and effectively look behind me and carry on flying and, and keeping them like in my sight so I know what they're doing I know how to roll left or right to avoid their fire but you couldn't just you wouldn't be able to do that in yeah. any other any other way unless it's you had absolutely it. phenomenal mate well you know full credit well done for that okay but when we're talking about been two years in the making I'm sure you've got a few more grey hairs than when you Ooh. started even though you're a young guy I've definitely put on more weight I'll tell you that <laughs> Well, yeah, the, the time that you spent not exercising and spending yeah, time on computer screen, we're, we're very grateful, let's put it that way. But what's been your biggest challenge and your biggest sense of achievement? <laughs> biggest challenge? Well, the one half of that is dealing with the community is quite challenging. As Surely a, not. Yeah, well, you know, for me, because what, what I say uh, and what I mean sometimes slightly different and <laughs> oh diplomatic <laughs> and, as ever Mike and, 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 and everyone knows it and I have to really you know sometimes I go I push a bit too far and that can be quite challenging internally challenging one of the biggest things that, um, that I've managed to overcome is when I had to basically take on board all of the weapon rebalancing and all of the internal module rebalancing like I created all the internal modules and rebalanced all the weapons massive undertaking required hours and hours of work and lots of spreadsheets and it's got to a point now where I can I now own that area <laughs> but and I know how it works and I've got the tools in spreadsheets to basically rebalance and readjust things whereas before 
it's just kind of up in the air. It's kind of a bit made up, and it's like it'd be really hard to justify or explain. What's the philosophy behind this weapon? Why is it doing the damage it does? That was probably the biggest challenge I've overcome in the project. So in a way, that's kind of also my biggest achievement, I guess. You just don't hear about it because it's all internal. But now you know, that's probably the biggest achievement, getting all of that in so that the game went from you have a ship and you can change a weapon or two to now you've got a ship where you can customize every component and anything you do affects its flight model, its shields, its armor, its capabilities. You know, that massive leap, probably my biggest challenge and biggest achievement right there. And do you think, given that, that sort of spreadsheet scenario, do you think you're ever going to be finished? No, oh, hell's no. <laughs> you, you, the balancing just never ends. And, you know, you, you, you think you've fixed something and then someone else says it's, you've nerfed it too much or it's OP. You know, you're just never going to win. Never going to win. OK, and Blue Sky thinking, obviously, this is the, you know, it's the end of a two-year journey. The game's just about to be released, but we're hoping this journey's going to go on for a lot of years yeah. yet to come. What would you like to see in the game? Oh, what would I love to be in the game? Let me think. Um, tell you what, one thing that really sold me, this was before I started on the project, and it was when the Kickstarter went up, where you saw that volumetric cloud demo. Just the idea of uh, being able to go down into a gas giant, I thought that would be amazing. I think I've actually I said this at LaveCon. I, I love like clouds and I love the sky, and I just feel like before we try and tackle planetary landing, I think we can get a lot of mileage by just allowing you to dip into these massive gas giants. I mean, there's a hell of a lot of them out there in this galaxy and see these beautiful storms and clouds and you know, mine that gas and, and, and dodge turbulence and, you know, storms. That, I feel like, is, a, is, a, is more achievable and will give us a lot of bang for buck. Fuel scooping can become more dangerous or more interesting uh, or finding minerals to sell. I would love that. That would be my uh, okay, next uh, thing. And final question. We've got a lot of weapons in this game. You're yeah. responsible for balancing them out. I wish if, we didn't have as many as we do. Oh, and maybe this question is not going to be so great then. <laughs> you want more if weapons. you had to add an imaginary weapon, what would be your next weapon that you'd put into the game? Oh, uh, next weapon put in this game would be some form of laser that essentially causes malfunctions. The ion cannon, basically, from Star Wars. Something where you shoot uh, a, a ship and maybe it just like increases the chances or... Tr that malfunctions will happen uh, and causes malfunctions, Sam. So ships with a bit of wear and tear, a bit of damage to their modules are usually fine. Suddenly find themselves getting shot by this gun. All of a sudden, it's like their malfunction chance went up loads and all of a sudden, the thrusters start misfiring. That's something I feel like we need. That would be phenomenal. If you could think about that, that working in a sort of a team-based environment, if you had one guy who was just an EMP guy and the rest of them were waiting for those malfunctions to happen, that, exactly. that's phenomenal. Yeah. Excellent. Well... You heard it first on Lave Radio. We're not going <laughs> to tie him down until he makes it. But again, <laughs> the future of this game is long. And uh, let's hope that in the future we do see a wonderful EMP weapon. But for now, Mike Evans, thank you very much for your hard work. Thank you for this game. And we'll speak to you soon. <laughs> thank you. So that marks the end of the live stream. I'd like to thank everybody again for coming here and for watching the live stream. It's been great fun here. It's been fantastic here in Duxford with all the aeroplanes. Wonderful, the Imperial War Museum. And so, once again, thank you to everyone. But most importantly, thank you to all the backers who've made all of this possible. It's really appreciated by all of us. And I think a lot of us have had a lot of fun already, but there's a lot more fun to come. And on the 16th of December, that's when our story starts. That's when all the exciting things start in the game. And I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you, everybody. And as the dust settles and people are calling their carriages 
and carriages are turning into pumpkins and horses are turning into mice. We are here at the very end of the Elite Dangerous Premier event and I am thrilled to say that we've managed to capture him before he went out of the door. In fairness, it did involve me grabbing hold of the back of his coat and pulling him back into the room. We are very, very privileged to welcome to the show none other than the Senator himself, Mr. Drew Wagar. Hello, sir. Hello indeed there, Mr. Forrester. How does the Empire find you this evening? Oh, tired. I think it's been, it's been a long old night. It's been an amazing night, uh, but it has been a long old night. So, Mr. Wagar, give us your imperial impressions of the event as you saw it. Uh, just absolute privilege, I think, to be here. Um, all joking aside, it's been an amazing experience. The fans here have been phenomenal. I've lost track of all the conversations I've had. Everybody knows everybody pretty much, or it doesn't take long for you to figure out who's who. Just incredible enthusiasm. We've seen the game on the big 4K monitor. Uh, it's been phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And obviously that's the, that's the game, that's the event, but really what I'm more interested in about is the fact that people here will have read your book. I'm, guessing you've been stopped left right and center with people that said either sign my book or what a fantastic job how's that been for a that, new author for you that that has been wonderful yeah it, there's a lot of people come up to me and ask for signings and um, just asking me about bits and pieces from the book or lots and lots of stuff and just just wanted to shake my hand and say thanks very much for a great story so i think i nailed it what i wanted to say with my book and it sounds like it resonated with the elite community as well so that's that's been fabulous. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, that's absolutely right. And obviously, uh, Frontier Developments dragged you up on stage to do a bit of a reading. I'm sure that was a bit of a sphincter twitching moment. How did that you was, handle that? That was quite exciting. Wasn't quite prepared for being on the main stage to do that. Yeah, I got up there and just kind of went for it. So uh, it, was, it was great fun, great privilege. Even David Braben shook my hand when I came down. So Yeah, as well he should, because I thought you did a fantastic job. It was really well received by the crowd here. Two years since we ended the Kickstarter. A little bit less since you started your own Kickstarter to fund a Kickstarter when everybody in the internet has called you mad for doing it. Oh, yes. Are you happy with where you are now? I don't think I could have imagined anything better. It's been a wild two years. And when we started this, it, um, you know, it didn't hold this promise of coming to this point and being part of this event. Just to be here 30 years after the whole adventure started is just a dream come true. More than a dream, to be honest. No, I couldn't have imagined it to be this good. It's been fantastic. Well, I know your better half is desperate to leave, so uh, we're going to wrap it up with a couple of questions. Where would you like to see uh, Drew Wagar, the author, in 12 months' time, and where would you like to see Elite Dangerous, the game, in 12 months' time? For myself, um, I'm hoping to have another book out next year, which is which is not elite, but it is science fiction. So that's my plan there. I'm in the midst of that at the moment. That's hoping going to be a cracker as well. So if people like my style of writing, there's more, um, and that's going to be a, an epic rolling saga with good scientific accuracy and, and a bunch of good characterisation in it. So that's that's my plan for next year. I would like to be in receipt, I hope, of another license for an elite dangerous novel. Of course, that lies with Michael Brooks. We shall see how that happens. But there's clearly hunger for it, and the game has got a long way to go as we can see the really dangerous i'd love to be landing on planets <laughs> i really would love to be landing on planets just having seen on the 4k screen there as you get close to the planets the detail just imagine taking your ship down there landing hopping out in some kind of land cruiser or just walking out there on foot that would be awesome obviously with your full imperial pomp and circumstances that goes with that i'm sure oh yes well the empire's always looking for new planets to join the might of the empire 
Drew, it's been brief, but as always, it's been an absolute pleasure. We will catch up with you soon. Thank you very much for stopping by with Lay Radio. All the best, guys, and well done for all your efforts over the last few years. You've done, you've done us proud. Thank you very much, Drew. Take care. Tell us who you are, what your forum name is, and what level you back the game at. Right. Hello, Fuzzer. My name is John Whitehouse. Uh, my forum name is, is is John Whitehouse, and I'm back to Alpha level. So. Uh, yeah. And uh, we're just going to have to pause there for a second <laughs> as our other our technician. Ben Moss Woodward has just fallen off his chair and yep, sprawled yep. across the show floor. Yes. So well done, Ben. One for the bloopers. It's all about what we're going to be up to tonight, and uh, yeah, we are just about to go into a Twitch live stream. Starts with Miss Piggy. That's right, Miss Piggy, our very own Miss Piggy, will be there. Yay! Okay, so I mean, we're talking about the players. Talking about obviously, Elite Dangerous has the the largest amount, I would say, of any sort of community involvement of any game currently in development. Has that been a, a, a good thing, a bad thing, a double-edged sword? How have you found that within the team? Um, so, 
I, I have to say that the, the grinning thing the, uh, doesn't work on radio. So sorry about that. <laughs> with a wry smile, he said. I just watched a man with an Oculus Rift stick his face in another man's crotch. Yeah, and looking around, obviously. They've got massive drapes hanging from all the walls that basically uh, portray the, the station uh, scenario. So they've printed out massive sort of, I mean banners, but drapes that sort of replicate what is Duxford Station. It says, welcome to Duxford Station. And they've got, um, what else have we got? Scratch all of that. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it has to be really, doesn't it? Um, keep talking. Hello, and we're actually enjoying a disco at the moment. By the yeah, after we're done here, I think it's uh, a bit of a boogie on the dance floor for us too. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs>